Good morning. My wife did a great job preaching last week. Uh, yeah, give her a hand. So appreciate her. The only thing I don't like about my wife preaching is when I have to preach after her. And next week, we have a guest from Bellevue Christian Center, Pastor Walt Hooker. He is on their team. We call him Hook. And uh, he's going to come and talk to us about race and culture and how we can take a very divisive issue in our culture and turn it into a missional opportunity. And then next Sunday night, we are actually talking about it right here in this room. We're having a panel discussion on race and ethnicity. We will have a... uh, a very diverse panel that night and talking about the challenges that we all live with every day and how to turn those challenges missional. I mean, you know, that's the mission of the church to be missional, right, with cultural challenges. So that's next Sunday. If you um, have questions about that and you want us to consider those questions for our panel discussion, you can text your questions. Uh, The number is up on the screen. Not yet, but it will be. Uh, It's also in the back of your bulletin, Um, so that is awesome. So text your questions. We'd love to hear from you. That will help shape our discussion next Sunday night at 6.30. How many of you know we live in a a culture that runs at a relentless pace? I want to talk to you today about finding rest in a world of unrest. I believe that we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus to be missional when, in how we rest. And a culture that is always driving, always pushing, always pulling, always demanding, always full of deadlines and schedules and hurry and, and entire weary bodies. And I believe that God has called his church to, to be set apart, to be separate from that that craziness, separate from that pace, in a way, I want to talk to you about today, finding rest in a world of unrest. I, uh, I know I feel this way myself most of the time. There's never enough hours in the day to get everything done, right? And I talk to many of you, and how you doing? I'm so busy, just so tired. I'm worn out. I need a break. I just can't seem to find rest, right? I can't wait for that vacation. We live in this hurried, unrest place most of the time. And and I believe that it's possible for us to live in a place of rest that becomes missional to the people around us. So we're going to look at that. And and I got to confess here this morning that um, I am, I, I am not good at resting, uh, my wife helps me every week remember that, you know, especially when my day off comes around. My day off is on Mondays. It's the day you get started. Probably it's the day is my day of rest. And and she goes, you know, well, you're just not very good at resting. Why don't you just sit down for a moment and, and on the couch and we can talk. And so I do that. It lasts about 30 seconds because something comes into my mind that just has to be done right now. Right. I love my Wonderlist app. And on my wonder, if you don't have that app, you need to get it. And I've got lists for everything. And every day I'm checking all my lists and checking them twice. And I love checking things off my list. And, and so I live in this crazy pace, busy, busy, checking wonder lists. My day off starts with good intentions. I, I, I end up checking email. I end up starting a project and it takes me all day, right? 
Um, so I'm not very good at resting. And so I have determined that I'm going to work at rest. <laughs> Some of you today need to work at resting. Okay. We have an opportunity to be counterculture in the way we approach work and the way we approach rest. And that's what we're talking about today. I want to jump down into uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 9. Hebrews 4, verse number 9. The writer of Hebrews is talking about Israel and how God had called them to enter into a rest that was different than all the nations around them, all the peoples around them, but they did not enter that rest. And here's what he says. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from him. From his, excuse me. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So here we have it. God lays it out. There's a Sabbath rest for his people. What does that rest look like and how do we enter into it? To understand what Sabbath rest is all about, we have to uh, our, our minds tend to go to Exodus or Deuteronomy. Our minds tend to go to the law and, and the command that we should keep the Sabbath day holy and rest on that day. That's normally what we think of when we think of rest. But to understand Sabbath rest, we have to go back to its very origin. We have to go back to creation to understand rest. We have to understand how God created rest to be for us. What does rest look like before sin entered the world? And then we have to look at, we have to go to Christ. After the fall, we have to go to Christ. What does rest look like from Jesus' perspective? And then we look even further ahead to recreation. New heavens, new earth. So to understand rest, we go back to creation question and you can give me the answer how many days did it take for god to make creation six days that's correct and which day did god create man right and what did god do on the seventh day on the seventh day god rested from his work and what did man do on the seventh day that's right man rested in god's work from the very beginning of creation, God intended for you and I to live in a place of rest. In other words, he created us to rest. Our first day on earth was not a, okay, we got work to do, let's go. Our first day on earth was to rest. Was to rest in the work that God already finished. So here's what I want us to be thinking about today. And I want you to walk out of this auditorium today with this in your head. There is a time to rest from your work. And there's a time to rest in the work. We're going to talk about resting from work and resting in the work. God set a pattern here at the beginning of creation. He rested from his work and God's people rested in the work. So, there's an interesting uh, um, 
fact that we find in Genesis 1 and 2, the creation account. We find that on the first six days of creation, it is said that there is there was morning and then there was evening. That is to say that each day had a beginning and each day had an ending. But what's interesting is, is as we read about the seventh day of creation, the day that God rested, there's no mention of any evening at all. On the seventh day. And from this, the rabbis used to argue that while all the other days came to an end, the day of God's rest has no ending. The rest of God was intended to be forever. So when Adam and Eve were placed on the earth on the seventh day, they began with rest. And from that day forward, God intended them to work in the rest. So, for example, right? Day number eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, whatever. Adam and Eve, they were given this task, this responsibility. It was to inhabit the earth, to take dominion of the earth, to name all the animals, to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue the earth and to fill it, right? Does that sound like a lot of work? It sounds like a lot of work, but there was this, this thing about the work that there was this rest in the work. It wasn't a curse. It wasn't slavery. It wasn't work as we understand work. They were resting in the work. So how many of you live in a house? Okay. Remember the first week that you moved into that house. Was there any rest in the house? What were you doing? You were opening up boxes and moving furniture and moving things here and there and hanging things on the wall. And you were frantic, crazy for a week. For six days, you were were busy uh, uh, establishing how your house would be run and what it would look like. And then after you get it all set up, now you can relax. Now you can rest. That's what God did on creation. On day seven, God had finished setting up his house and he rested on that day and he invited Adam and Eve, join me in this rest, join me in enjoying this creation. And now I want you to learn how to rest in the work. And he gave them assignments. Can I tell you, church, today that there is a day to rest? We're going to talk about that. But there is also every day learning how to rest while you work. We don't understand that. We live from, from, from our, our, this day off to next week's day off. We live from this vacation to the next vacation. We live from holiday to holiday. Come on, that's our culture. That's not our culture. There should be somehow that we can learn to rest while we're working and not get burned out and dried up and spit out and just, are you with me? And so God created us to rest from our work and rest in the work. Creation tells us that we were created to live in this kind of Sabbath rest. But here's what happened. Sin entered the world. Ab and Eve ate the fruit. They sinned. And when they sinned, they were separated from God and the rest of God. They were banished from the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Rest. They were banished from it. And they were told, your work is now going to be toil, not joy. Your work is now going to be hard. You're, gonna, you're going to reap the, 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 the fruit of the ground by the sweat of your brow. God told Adam and he told Eve that you're going to, you're gonna, you're gonna give birth. You're going to have pain in childbirth. So labor became painful. Labor became toilsome, right? But it hadn't always been that way. 
There was a rest in the work. And God brought his son Jesus into the earth to restore rest while we work. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, and I'm just going to quote it, we won't go there. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we're told to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy and as the Lord your God has commanded you. And then, and then later on in the verse, he says, he says, keep the Sabbath day. And here's why. Remember, you were once slaves in Egypt. Remember, you were once slaves in Egypt. God gives this command now that we are to rest. He's trying to bring us back to Garden of Eden kind of rest. So he gives us this command. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Keep the Sabbath day holy. And here's why. I want you to remember. I want you to remember on that Sabbath day that you were once slaves in Egypt. You were once driven by a cruel taskmaster. I don't know about you, but sometimes my life, I feel like I am, I am, I am more like a slave than a son. Are you with me? Your life is, is driven. You, you, your, your life is under this, these demands. Right? More bricks, less straw. And, and the demands are, are just seem to be impossible. And, and you feel like there's, you're a slave and you need freedom. And, and God told the nation of Israel, listen, I want you to take a day of the week to remind yourselves that I delivered you from that. I delivered you from that kind of slavery, that kind of bondage. I delivered you from being slaves to the culture that drives you. Slaves don't rest. Slaves can't rest. And God is saying to us today, I have delivered you from that kind of slavery. And here's how I've delivered you. Let's enter Christ. Enter the new covenant. Christ, the strangest thing about keeping the Sabbath in the New Testament is that you, you read very, very little. In fact, really nothing about keeping the Sabbath in the New Testament. The other nine commandments of the Ten Commandments are in different ways are affirmed, but not Sabbath day keeping. In fact, Jesus broke virtually all the Pharisees' Sabbath rules, but he never broke the Sabbath. Jesus and Paul both appear to challenge the Sabbath as the first century Jews observed the Sabbath. So instead of saying, yeah, the Sabbath, you should keep the Sabbath day, right? He didn't. He did things on the Sabbath that were totally against what the Pharisees were teaching that day. For example, in the first three Gospels, um, we have the same record of Jesus healing a man who had a crippled hand. And he did it on the Sabbath day. And the Bible says that on that day when Jesus healed that man's hand, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they, they conspired against Jesus to stone him. So here on the Sabbath day, you can plan murder, right? But you can't heal a man's hand. This is the mindset of legalism. They come up with all these crazy laws and things that you're supposed to do on the Sabbath. All, see, I guess God didn't say enough in the Old Testament law about the Sabbath. So let's add. And they added hundreds of Sabbath-keeping laws because they felt God did not say enough about them. And so what the Jews did is they limited in their mind, their, they limited the Sabbath, they limited it to the calendar. They limited it to a day of the week, the Sabbath day, and they limited it to a um, 
sabbatical year every seven years. They limited it to the Jubilee year every 50 years. Their idea was of Sabbath was a calendar day. On this day, you observe Sabbath. Jesus comes in and he blows that mindset away and he says, I am the Sabbath. I am your Sabbath day. I want you to see something in the Old Testament. The Old Testament's full of types and shadows all pointing to Christ in the New Testament. Right. So, for example, we have in the Old Testament, we have the Passover lamb that was slain on on the night of Passover. We know that that Passover lamb points to Christ, the Passover lamb. We have the temple in the Old Testament, which points to Christ, the temple in the New Testament. He said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will I will build it again. The high priest in the Old Testament, the Bible says in Hebrews that we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. So the high priest in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus Christ, the high priest. The Sabbath of the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus, the Sabbath of the New Testament. And Jesus said this, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So we have to see a lot of these Old Testament symbols and types are pointing to Jesus Christ. So what do we do about the Sabbath day? What do we do with it? I want us to look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 16. Paul's talking here and. He's talking to Gentiles and he says this. People who are not Jews and he says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Or for not celebrating certain holy days. Or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only, there's the word, shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Christ himself is that reality. They were all mixed up about keeping the Sabbath and all these rules and all these, uh, these ceremonies, all of this. And they said all of those things pointed to Jesus Christ, he is that reality. He is the Sabbath. Jesus himself pointed to himself as the Sabbath day rest. And he said it plainly in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, come to me. He didn't say come to Sabbath day. Come to the temple. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. Let's just pause there for a moment. What was he talking about? Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are burdened. He's talking about the weight of sin. Burdened by the weight of sin. Burdened by the weight of the law, of trying to keep all the law. He says, he says you're weighed down by the law. You're guilty sinners. Come to me and I will give you rest. What kind of rest? Rest from your work. Rest from trying to work for your salvation. Jesus said, rest from your work. And then he said, take my yoke upon you. That symbolizes work, doesn't it? Work, yoke. You put the yoke on the oxen. What do they do? They plow, they harvest. He said, listen, you rest from your work and then you rest in the work. When you are working, when you are laboring, I will make it easy and I will make it light. I will make it like the Eden of rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and the emotions. Can I tell you that you can go throughout your day working in rest? Your mind, your will, and your emotions, right, can be yoked in with Jesus, and you can learn every day to work at a place of rest. And not rush. If it were not possible. Jesus would not have said that. So right there he says. Rest from your work. And rest in the work. Carrie gave some great examples. At the uh, real rest conference. Earlier this spring. And she reminded us that resting. Is not a passive thing. But it's very active. For example, the words in this passage I just read are are action verbs, right? They are action words. Come, take, learn, find. A lot of times we think resting is doing nothing. But resting is so so much more than that. It's Jesus said, come to me. How many of you know you can take a vacation without Jesus and come home tired? Right? You can take a day off, ignore the Holy Spirit in your life that day and be burned out. See, rest, we've made rest about a day. Jesus made rest about a person. You may need to get away for a day and get some rest. You may need to go on a vacation and get a break. But rest begins and ends with the person of Jesus. Come to me. That's the first place. That's the first step. Some of you need relief from the burden of sin on your life. And God wants to give you a a rest, a spiritual, supernatural rest from your sin. I want to give you some New Testament advice about Sabbath day keeping. Okay, can I do that? Uh, What do we do with this Sabbath day, right? Uh, If Jesus is the Sabbath, right? and, and, And he healed on the Sabbath and he broke all these pharisaical laws on the Sabbath. What do we do about the Sabbath? Let me say this. Um, Jesus very clearly said some things about the Sabbath. He did not do away with the Sabbath. He defined it and he cleared up any confusion. And he said this, and I'm going to read part of it. And then we're going to look at the verse together. It's in Mark chapter two. And let me just read with you. It says this one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. You should know not to pick tomatoes out of your garden on Sunday, right? So they're picking some heads of grain on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus is pointing back to David and said, hey, David was out with his men. They were hungry. Somebody forgot to pack lunch. They went into the temple, ate the sacred bread that only the priest could eat. And then he said this, and this is what I want you to hear. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Pharisees had it turned around. The Sabbath, a day of rest was made for you. It was made for you. The second thing Jesus said was, so the son of man is even Lord of the Sabbath. 
the Sabbath was made for man. Let's just give you two practical pieces of advice as we we leave today. Um, The day was made for you. It was made for you. Okay, it was made for you to rest. And here's what I would advise. I would advise this. And, And as you look at scripture, you can see a pattern. It's a day where you cease from doing that which is necessary. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And on the seventh day, the Sabbath, the day of rest, you rest. What do you rest from? All the things that were necessary the other six days. The Sabbath is the day you stop doing what you've been doing all week long. That tells me that there's a day of the week I don't have to check my email. I'm not ignoring you. I'm just not checking my email that day. I wonder if you went home and you made a list of all the things. Right. That um, that you do six days a week that are necessary and go, you know what? I'm not going to do those things on a day of rest. Is that legalism? No, it's not legalism. It's saying this day was designed for you to rest. It was made for you to rest. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you? Right. Six days. God created for six days, but on the seventh day, he rested just like God. We can create like mad for six days. We can build widgets and houses and write sermons and software. We can engineer websites. We can answer emails. We can teach students. We can practice medicine. We can cook meals. But on the seventh day, we step back and we enjoy creation. We enjoy all the things that we created for six days and we enjoy what God has created. Right. To do that, it requires an enormous amount of trust. Some of you work six, seven days a week. You're always producing. You're always on. You're always making things happen. You're always getting things done. You're saying, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to provide for my family. I'm going to work seven days a week. And here's the example I want to give to you. In the Old Testament, when when God um, when God met the needs of the Israelites in the wilderness, the Bible says that every day manna came down from heaven. Remember that every day for six days, manna would come down from heaven. And God said this, this is for you to eat. And on day number six, I'm going to provide even more. And I want you to gather more on that sixth day, because on day number seven, I'm not going to provide. I'm not going to I'm not going to bring down man on day seven. I'm providing for day seven on day six. Are you with me? And some of those Israelites, they said, I don't know. God's going to provide for me on that day of rest. So I better get out and I better collect. I better gather manna on that day. And they got up that morning and they and they rubbed the sleep out of their eyes. They walked out of their tent with their little buckets to gather their manna. And guess what? There's no manna there. Listen, you're wasting your time if you're working seven days a week nonstop. There's no manna there on that seven day. It was provided God will take care of you those other six days. It's a matter of trust. It's saying, God, I'm going to put down what's necessary on this day. I'm going to take that. I'm going to put down what's necessary on this day. And I am going to trust you. The other thing I want to give you about Sabbath day is um, not only uh, cease from that which is necessary, but to embrace that which gives life embrace that which gives life when jesus broke man-made sabbath regulations he did it to bring life he healed on the sabbath 
He fed the poor on the Sabbath. He claimed the right to rescue creatures that had fallen into the pit on the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath was a day to restore life and to restore health and to do good things. I remember when I was a kid growing up, our family was very religious. We went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and and we did what we understood to keep the Sabbath day holy. I've shared this before. It was a day of rest in our home. (laughs) And that meant you took a two hour nap, whether you needed one or not. How many of you know you can only count the dots on the ceiling in your bedroom so many times, right? And the spiders and the, you know. And, and as a kid, I was bored to death. The only exciting thing we'd do is go on a Sunday afternoon drive. I, I don't know what that was about, but I mean, that was, a, that was the worst drive of my life, you know? And it's like, why, why do my parents like this, you know? And so we had a really weird idea of, and it was nothing, no work, nothing, no yard work, no house cleaning, one meal, simple, right? And then we were taking naps and just sitting around bored out of our minds, that's the way I saw it anyway. And one day we get a knock at the door. Neighbor comes to the door. Is your dad home? Yeah. My dad comes out. Hey, George, uh, I built this shed. And uh, I've got it halfway built. And I, I built it right in front of my garage. Uh, and I, I need to move it to the back of the house. And I need about four or five strong guys to help move the shed. Can you help me move my shed? You know what my dad said? It's the Sabbath. I don't work on the Sabbath. And he shut the door. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe you go, yeah, go dad, go George, you know. Uh, and so my dad's conviction was nothing, you know. We don't do good like that on the Sabbath. And I've talked to my dad about it since then. I said, dad, do you remember that day? And he goes, yeah, I remember that day. I said, dad, would you do anything different today? He said, he said, son, he said, I'm 80 years old, but if I had the strength, I'd say, I'm going to get out there and help you move your shed. And, and, and I think the point is this, is there's a missional opportunity, right, to do good on the Sabbath, to bring life. And my dad's paradigm, my dad's way of thinking of the Sabbath was different back then. And today he goes, you know what, I would have, I would have blessed that neighbor on the Sabbath. Just like Jesus healed the man who had a need, a withered hand. And fed the poor on the Sabbath. He would do the same thing. He'd be busy about doing God's work. I loved to fish when I was a kid. I got saved when I was 16 years old. And I was invited to go on a fishing trip in Michigan. To a a river. And we were going to do some fishing. So I went with um, my future brother-in-law. And I went with his cousin. And the three of us went out. And we camped out in this old little trailer. That you'd pull behind a truck. And this trailer smelled like mold and mildew. And it was one of those old camper kind of things. And I remember being in that camper and and Saturday night came and we got up Sunday morning and they said, "Okay, we're ready to go fishing. Walt, let's go. And I said, I can't go fishing. It's the Sabbath. And uh, and so I sat in that stinky, musty old trailer all day long. And I had the worst day of my life. (laughs) How many of you know that's not what the Sabbath is about? Right. God's intent for the Sabbath is to bring life back to you. It is to it is to embrace that which gives life. I should have been out there fishing on that river that day, enjoying God's creation. Because that would bring life. Let me tell you what I do on, on my day of rest now. Okay, 
I don't what I, I don't do what I do six days a week, six days a week. I'm in meetings with people like you. So I avoid you on my day of rest. <laughs> don't call me. Don't set up an appointment. Don't say, hey, I want to bless you on your day off. You want to bless me on my day off? Stay away from me. <laughs> That's how it works. Okay. So I'm in meetings with you and with my team all week long. I'm sitting in a chair usually, and I have a computer in front of me, and I'm answering emails. You get the picture? So I don't do those things on my day off, right? What do I do on my day off? I'm not sitting. I'm not in meetings. I'm not answering email. I'm not with people. I'm out in creation, and I'm probably hiking 10 miles somewhere. Why? Because I'm away from you. Say amen. (laughs) I am not sitting. And what does it do? It lifes me. It rejuvenates me. Oh, but the Pharisees would have said, you can only walk 300 feet on the Sabbath or whatever it was. Baloney. I'm going to go walk 10 miles on the Sabbath, right? On my day of rest. Are you with me? Cease from the thing that things that are necessary and do the things, embrace the things that bring life. So we're going to wrap it up here. And I want to remind us as we wrap things up. That when we think about rest, there is a a time and a place to rest from your work and an everyday time to rest in the work. And God's going to help us do those things. God's going to help us be countercultural and missional in the way that we rest. The worship team is coming and and they're going to sing a song. And I want to. I want to remind you of a, an old saint named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence, he washed dishes in a monastery. He was a busboy, if you will, and he carried out menial duties. He was cleaning the messes of others in this monastery. And he wrote a book about it called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's one of my wife's favorite books. And when you read the book, you get the sense that in the midst of his menial work of of clanging plates and dirty dishwasher and long sweaty hours in the kitchen, he was at rest in the presence of God. He was practicing the presence of God. And in the book, Brother Lawrence, he speaks about the companionship that he has with Jesus and how it is without boundary. How anywhere, everywhere, and in anything, you can be at rest with God. The only thing that is missing is us. The only thing that is lacking is is attentiveness. And so Brother Lawrence, he encourages a discipline of simply saying hello to God and inviting him into the kitchen, inviting him into the bedroom, inviting him in into your car, you're driving to work. You're just having this daily fellowship with him, this this connection This connection where every day you're putting on a yoke, but it's not your yoke, just you. Jesus said, take my yoke. So you're yoked in with him. And he said, when you do that, work will become easy and light in that sense. My soul finds rest in God alone. From him alone comes my salvation. We're going to sing this chorus. It's a really simple chorus. You'll learn it quickly. It's called Find Rest.
pray that you would help us to remember to come to you when we're worn out, tired, exhausted. God, help us to not run and flee and try to find rest in some other activity or hobby or vacation. God, those things are blessings. But God, you are the one who brings true rest. And so God, I pray that we would do life with you. That we would learn to rest in the work that you've called us to do. That we would inhabit the earth. That we would take dominion. We'd fill it. We'd multiply. We'd bring your kingdom. God, bring us back to Eden's kind of rest. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. invite our prayer workers to come this morning and I want to invite you if if you'd like prayer in this area of finding rest I encourage you to come and share with one of our prayer workers maybe you're here today and or today rather and you don't you don't have that spiritual rest you're still um, spiritually at unrest and then you know you're far from God today we want to encourage you to pray with one of our prayer workers as well God bless you resting in